honor you father we just bless you 
we just magnify your name from everlasting to everlasting you oh God are the same you're a God and you change not you are the Alpha and Omega you are the beginning and the end you are the altogether lovely one from oh God we worship you oh God we magnify you oh God we lift up you oh God we lift up your name be thou established, Lord. Be thou established, Lord. Be thou established, Lord. Father, your word says if we would decree a thing, it will be established. And light will shine upon our ways. So we come this evening, O oh God, with decrees and declarations. We understand, O oh God, that it is an announcement. We speak those things that are not as though they are. When we declare and when we decree, we speak those things that are not as though they are. And so tonight, O oh God, we enter in boldly into your throne of grace. We enter in boldly into your presence. We enter boldly, O oh God, just uh, anticipating this in expectation, just for a move of God, just for the grace of God, just for open heavens of God, a place where you, O oh God, will just deposit, a place where you, O oh God, will just pour out, a place, O oh God, where you will reveal your heart to us. O oh God, we hunger and we thirst after you. We hunger and we thirst after you. O oh Lord, our strength. O oh Lord, our righteousness. O oh Lord, our deliverer. O oh God, our strong tower. You are a mighty, mighty God. We bless you, O oh God. This show up in our lives today. Show up in our lives today. We bless you, Lord. As we, as we get into this time of worship this evening, I want to just refer to one portion of scripture and, and I shared a little bit about it during our intercession yesterday. In Mark chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, you know, this is the account of the woman with the issue of blood. And, and, and the scripture says, When she heard about Jesus... She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I would just touch his clothes, I will be healed, right? When we look at this portion of scripture, we look at someone that needed something. And there was a few things that she did. Firstly, she made up her mind. She, she, she knew what she needed. Then she knew what she had to do. And she knew where she was going to get it from. She knew that in her heart. The beautiful part of the, about this is that she never consulted anybody. I think sometimes the problem with many of us is when we know what to do, we go and consult other voices. 
If they if she consulted other voices, they would have told her what the law said. They would have told her about the number of years she's had the problem. They would have told her about what the doctor said. They would they would have told her what the condition it normally does. It, it's something that she's got to live with. But you see, the problem the, the the problem with many times is that we go and we consult when we should have been consulting with heaven. We're consulting with people. And and, and and the Bible says she knew what she needed. She knew who got what she needed. So that means she knew where she had to go. And she knew when she gets there, what the response is going to be. And I'm here to say to you today, you got to determine, what do I need? Because nobody knows your situation like you do. And for some of you that are watching us online, no one knows your situation like you do. People may have similar issues to you, but it's not the same thing. They're not living your life. They're not living in the situation that you are living in. And when you live in something so long enough, you would know what you need to do in order to get what you need. Amen. And so don't let people tell you what you need. You know what you need. You know where to get it from. Yeah, All you got to do tonight is go and get it. You got to get up and go and get it. Amen. That means nothing's just going to come. Jesus was in the town. She knew that there was a moment and there was a window within which she had to operate. And if she didn't operate in that window period, he's gone. Amen. There's a window period for you to activate your faith and to step in and to get what you need. Amen. So, Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that there will be a get up and go spirit. There will be a get up and go anointing in the lives of your people that we will not just sit down and we will not just feel sorry for ourselves and we will not hold a pity party. Lord, but we will go and get. We know where to go. We will run into the house of the Lord. We will get in the presence of the Lord. We will get into our closet. We will get into that place, that secret place. We will get into that place where we know there will be a divine exchange. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus. Just minister into the lives of your people. Let them go and get what they need. From the one who says he has more than exceedingly, more than abundantly he wants to do in our lives. We bless you right now, Father. Have your way in this place. We declare an open heaven over this house and over the lives of your people. We say, Holy Spirit, just minister by your spirit and by your power in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We dishonor you, Father, right now. We surrender, O oh God, and Christ our solid rock. No other foundation shall we build upon. Hallelujah. Let us worship the Lord right now. Stone. 
Yeah, cause you cause walls to fall with your 
Father, we are standing here only because you made a way. Yes, my God. You move mountains. You cause walls to fall. And so right now, Father, everything that is standing in an obstacle, standing in the way of a blessing coming through into the lives of your sons and daughters, I pray right now, Father, just begin to remove it. Just begin to remove mountains, remove obstacles. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, have your way. Have your way in the lives of people. Have your way in families. Have your way in homes. Have your way, O oh God, in marriages. Have your way in our, in our children. Have your way in our grandchildren. Father, I pray today this will remove the scales of the eyes of our young people in the name of Jesus. Let them begin to see, oh God, not as the world sees, not through the lenses that the world and the, and the perspectives that the world has shown them. But let them see themselves through the eyes of the heavens. Let them understand you, God. Let them understand you, God. You are an awesome, a mighty, a great deliverer. Let them know you in all of your fullness. Let them know you in all of your fullness. So Father, we pray our children into the purposes of God. We pray our grandchildren into the purposes of God. We bring young men and women into the purposes of God. Father, I pray today that let your, the, the scales fall off the eyes of this generation of young men and women that the media is manipulating. Oh God, that advertisers are manipulating, that influencers are manipulating. And Father, I pray, let them see themselves 
fearfully and wonderfully made. Let them see themselves made in the image of God. Father, may they see themselves as that you love them, that you care for them, that they are special to you. Created, fashioned by the hands of the Almighty. So, Father, tonight we come before you and we bring the families of God. For many families of God are, are, are under the, oh God, have been knocked down by the flu and, and, and by different physical and ailments, Father. In this hour, we release a word. You said you sent your word. And your word brought healing. And your word healed them. So we say, oh God, be healed. Flu, be healed. Chronic ailments, cardiac, respiratory, respiratory. Diabetes, hypertension, we say be healed in the name of Jesus. We declare that by the blood of Jesus and by the stripes, by your stripes, we are healed. And we pray for a complete healing. No longer a return. No longer a return. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Bless us as we gather around your word tonight. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Thanks to the worship team. Amen. Our God is a good God. Amen. Our God is a good, good God. Amen. There's a song that they say he is a good, good father. Amen. And so we're excited about what God is doing. If you have your Bibles, turn with me quickly to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Amen. I wanted to just share this uh, on on Sunday. Um, I know many of, of all of you that are here and some of you that are watching online would have had the opportunity of listening to Pastor Justin. He shared really a good word and a, a real solid foundation. Uh, and uh, there were some truths that came out of it that I wanted to um, just make reference to, to, to tonight. And... Uh, and this, uh, he made a statement, and uh, he, sp he spoke about Aaron's staff, or Aaron's rod that budded, and he spoke about the, the stones of, of the tablets of the covenant, uh, or, or the Ten Commandments, and then he spoke about the golden jar of manna. Amen? And uh, I want us to, to look at these three elements. Uh, I often ask the question, why out of everything, God asks for these three things to be put into the ark. And so I want to talk about in, in the presence. Amen. And so if you go with me, let's look at chapter 9, verses 1. And it says, now the, now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. 
in the first room, there was a lampstand and a table and consecrated bread or the table of showbread. And there it was also called the, the holy place. But behind the second, second curtain, there was a room which was called the most holy place and which had the golden altar of incense and a gold-covered ark of the covenant. And this ark contained a gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that budded, and stones of the tablets of the covenant. And above the ark were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing and the atonement cover. But this we, we do not discuss these things in detail now. That's the writer of Hebrews making that statement. But I want to speak to you about the Ark of, uh, the, Ark of the Covenant symbolized the presence of God. But then God says, in the presence, put these three things inside of the presence. And I liked how he broke it down and he spoke about how the box would be made out of acacia wood and it's an incorruptible wood. That means it doesn't decay or doesn't decompose quickly. It's a hardened wood, right? But then he says, and God then asks to, that it will be covered. It will be overlaid or covered with gold. And, and in that we'll speak about gold as speaking of the divinity that covers humanity. Amen. And, 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 but inside of it, there are three elements. He speaks about the rod, the, the, the manna, and the law. Amen. The law, uh, the Ten Commandments, or what was known as the laws of Moses. And later on will be referred to as the word. It, it gives a, a, a great foundation. I spoke about this this morning we, we had, uh, on the radio, and we, ha we had a discussion more tapered towards leadership in understanding the process of a preacher and, and, and in understanding these three elements and how, how God begins to shape a person for service even in the body of Christ. But tonight I want to relay it in essence to how does it apply to the body? How does it apply to the body of Christ? That means these three elements. And we, I, when I looked at this, I looked at every major church split or every major church division took place concerning these three issues. It's always either an issue with leadership or it's an issue concerning a word that is preached or not preached. Or thirdly, it'll be an issue of provisions or resource. Some people do not join a certain church because they, they, don't, they feel that they're not in the same economic setting of them. Some people have a problem engaging with other people because they feel they have different economic standings. So you have this, this, this division within the church. You've heard even people make the statement, I go to this church because they, we can network with other business people. So, so there is a guiding factor of these three elements. But these three elements all spoke about the disobedience of man. And I found this to be such a unique thing. That means when man was disobedient and disgruntled at God's choice in leadership, 
God had to cause the rod to bud. When, 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 when man was disgruntled with God's ability to provide for them in the midst of the wilderness, God had to provide manna from heaven. When, 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 when man was unable to have direction or had a, a, didn't have a set of values or, 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 or instructions on how to live, he had to give the word or the Ten Commandments that will later guide us. And so we understand that all of these things uh, uh, erupted out of man's disobedience and also man had a disobedience in challenging each of these three elements that God gave. But I believe these three elements are fundamental to any church experiencing a presence, a glory manifestation of God because I want you to understand this, the, the three elements are in the presence. The presence is not in the three elements. The three elements is in the presence. You see, sometimes there is a teaching and there's, there's a theology and there's a, 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 a concept or a worldview that says if we preach the word, presence will show up. It says, if we have a good leadership model and structure, then we will attract growth, presence. If we, we, we say, if we have the resources, we can attract presence. But what I want you to know is when presence shows up, leadership shows up. When presence shows up, the word shows up. When presence shows up, provisions show up so this is important for us to understand otherwise we are flipping it the other way around and we're wondering why, why our works is not producing presence why our human initiative is not producing presence why our intelligence is not producing presence. You can be a great orator. You can be a, a, a people pleaser. You could be one that could, 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 could baffle the minds of people with the way you begin to break truth. But there is something about revelation that it causes revelation must cause an impartation in you before it can become revelation to you. I can't give you my revelation. I can share with you my revelation, but I can't give it to you. I can impart it to you, but when you receive it and you engage with it, it becomes revelation to you. But up until that moment, it can be just good speaking. And this is our desire that if we're going to get closer, that's why Moses says, if your presence will not go with me, don't leave me from this place. If your presence, he says, he says let me see you. God says, I will hide you in the cleft of the rock and I will let my glory, I'll let my presence Go past you. There's some things that if we get in his presence, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. 
In his presence, there is life evermore. There's something, if if God, if you show up, all that we need shows up. God, if you show up, the heavens will begin to be opened. When you show up, all of a sudden the scales will fall off our eyes. If you show up, hope will come. If you show up, fear will be dispelled. If you show up, doubt will go. If you show up, oh God, my faith will increase. If you show up, I will begin to lift up my head. I will rip up my, my I will stand up again. I will run and not be weary. I will walk and I will not faint. Lord, if you show up. You see, the problem is we're not in pursuit of presence. We're not in pursuit of him. Look at the, look at the beauty in this because remember the, the Old Testament is a type and shadow of what will be, the, the, the Old Testament is is revelation concealed. The New Testament is revelation revealed. So you find that which is types and shadows in the Old Testament and symbols begins to find its reality in the New. The scripture says, when Christ is revealed, we will be revealed with him. So what when I looked at this, I said, how can God use the, 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 the disobedience of man, God will use the challenges of man, and he will bring the challenges of man, and then he will, he will place it in his presence. How would he take our weaknesses, our human failings, our doubts, Doubting, our quarreling, our, 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 our speaking against him. Why would he take it and put it in his presence? And when, when we do that, he begins to, what he does is he says, he, he says if, if we are in Christ. It, it, the, the Bible says it, it, it does not show what we will be. But when he shows up, we will be like him. The the reality is that we we are hid in Christ, and Christ is hid in God. We, our human weaknesses, the the symbols of leadership, the word of provisions, are hid in the incorruptible, the acacia word, which is Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for our and then God begins to cover it and it says and he was made the righteousness he was made the great high priest he stands before God and that and that covering over God begins to cause us all to begin to come into an understanding so God says we are hid in Christ like the like the elements are hid in the ark we hid in his presence and our weaknesses are not seen, but he's seen. When his presence shows up, you are no longer seen, but he's seen. 
You see, the problem is that that's why God says you should pray, Lord, take your glory. That no flesh should glory in his presence. That means flesh got no way of glorying in his presence. You see, the problem is the reason why we've never stepped into presence is because flesh still wants to manifest. And flesh needs to begin to, we need to die to self in order so that Christ can be revealed in us. Let's, let, let's go, let, let, let's have a look at, at uh, what, what, what do I mean when, he speak, when we speak about in Numbers chapter 17 verses 1. Numbers chapter 17 verses 1. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites, get 12 staffs or 12 rods from them, one from each leader of their ancestral tribe, and write the name of each man on his staff, on his rod. And on the rod of Levi, write Aaron's name. For there must be one staff for every head of each ancestral tribe. Look at God's model. There's not multiple leaders. There's one leader for each tribe, right? Then he comes in and he says, and place them in the tent of meetings in front of the Ark of the Covenant where I meet with you. And the staff belonging to the man that I choose will begin to sprout or bud. And I will rid myself from this, consist, this constant grumbling against you by the Israelites. God was saying there's a grumbling spirit. <laughs> God was arresting a grumbling spirit. Amen. That means God knows how to silence a grumbling spirit. He says bring the rods. He says not just of one person. He said but bring the rods of each of the leaders of the household. These were not ordinary men. They were leaders of their tribe. And they had a rod that signified a sense of authority. That's what the rod signified. It signified an authority they had. It was very simple. Uh, it, it, was, uh, uh, it can be compared to how a king will have a scepter. But these people were representing their tribe. Amen. But there was a quarreling amongst them and against Moses and his leadership. So, so the, Moses spoke to the Israelites and to the leaders. He and gave him the leaders gave him twelve staffs, one for each leader of the ancestral tribe. And Aaron's staff was amongst them. And Moses placed the staffs before the tent. Uh, before the Lord in the tent of the covenant of the Lord. That means he took it and he put it next to the ark. Right? He, he, he puts it in the, play, in the tent of meetings where God will begin to meet with them and it will be in the place where the law is there and he, and he says put it there and then the Bible says and the next day Moses entered the tent and he saw Aaron's staff which represented the tribe of Levi, had not only sprouted, but it budded. It blossomed and it produced almonds. Then Moses brought all the staffs 
from the Lord's presence to the Israelites. They looked at them and each of the leaders took their own staff. And the Lord said to Moses, put back Aaron's staff in front of the ark of the covenant of the law to be kept as a sign to the rebellious. This will put an end to their grumblings against me so that they will not die. God's got a way of sorting out grumbling. Now, this is often a challenge that we have within churches when when, when people are elevated into certain positions of leadership, people that, uh, uh, and, and often it is from amongst your brethren, and so people sometimes feel, why should they deserve it? I have sometimes have better capacity, get better capabilities. And, and this is what is happening in the nation of Israel. They find, they're kind of finding, if we use a, a modern term, they were saying it's nepotism. Moses is appointing his brother Aaron. Many of us will, will, have, we will have another... What, 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 what they keep on asking these inquiries, another commission, like they have the Zondo commission. So we'll have another commission because there's a query of nepotism in the leadership of Israel. And so he comes in there and, and, and they're querying this, but the Lord was about to sort this out and the Lord was going to say, this is my choice. You see, sometimes we think it is the man of God's choice. But God is saying, I'll validate the choice. You see, when you are put into a position of leadership within the church, within the body of Christ, there must be a sprouting, a budding, a blossoming, and a producing of fruit. That will be a validation of your leadership. If there is no, you can see potential in someone, but until that person engages on the level that they now find themselves on, you see, this is the challenge. These rods were not new rods. They were not just brought out of trees yesterday. The tree was there and today they got a rod. These were rods that they were carrying for a long time. These were staffs that they were carrying for a long time. These were dead wood. God made dead wood produce fruit. This is what happens, and this happened overnight. If anyone knows, and you can go and research how long does an almond tree take to produce an almond you will see that there's a length of time. But nowhere in the books would it say overnight you can take a stick not attached to the tree and it will begin to produce fruit. But this is what happens when God places his hand on somebody, even the deadness, out of the deadness, life will begin to be produced. Fruitfulness will begin to be produced. I want you to understand, some of, we, I want a church that becomes alive. A church that becomes alive in understanding that I'm not here to do church as normal, but I'm here to engage with God in such a level that God shows up. 
And when God shows up, all of a sudden, there's a budding and there's a fruitfulness. That means when you come into a position of leadership or function in any ministry, gifting or calling within the house of God, all of a sudden, the evidence must be there of fruitfulness. But if the evidence is not there of fruitfulness, but of quarreling, then we miss the mark. You disqualify yourself. Look at what God said. He didn't say, let them hold their sticks by their houses. He says, bring, this, the, bring the sticks, bring the rods, put it in my, next to my presence. When they took it and they put it next to the presence, God's choice begins to bud, blossom, begins to produce fruit. And then God says to them, all of you, all of the others, take your rods and go. This one stays in my presence. Now, I want you to understand, some of us may have good leadership skills. But it does not mean you got shepherding skills. They were good leaders over their tribes. That's not in question. But God was looking for a priest over the household of Israel. Not over a tribe, a leader over a tribe. You see, sometimes we mistaken leadership for ministry. Leadership is okay. Ministry demands a greater level. It demands an element of the supernatural manifestation of God. It, it demands a time of sitting close to the ark. You see, the problem is the leader can go back and be with the people, but the, 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 but the priest has to stay close to the ark. They have to make sure that the light doesn't go out in the tabernacle. They got to make sure that the bread, that there's fresh bread every day. They have to make sure that there is incense at the altar of incense, that this prayer has been lifted up. They have to make sure that they are pure so that they can enter into the holies of holies and offer the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat. Not everybody could do that. God was looking for a high priest, someone that could enter into that dimension. So when you look at why God says, put Aaron's rod that budded, God was saying to us, always through every generation, I'm going to look for a leader that carries my spirit, carries my heart, and can out of deadness produce life. Can take dead things and cause fruitfulness to appear. Can, can experience God's faithfulness even in the driest conditions even in the most unproductive soil, can experience a flourishing. That you can take a generation of people that are anointed by God, put them in the same ground as the rest of Egypt, and Goshen can be prosperous whilst Egypt is in, 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 under a plague. We've got to come to the place where we realize there is more that God wants to do. So he begins to establish his leadership. God begins to establish what he wants to do. I'm, I'm just taking my time so I don't run away. I, I get sometimes excited about this. 
But, I, but when, I, when I saw this, I, I realized this. I realized what God was doing. Then we go, the second thing was, he says, put in the, the word. Put in the, the Ten Commandments. Remember, the Ten Commandments was what God wrote, right? Now, remember in, in, in Exodus, we, we, we will see in Exodus 20 about the, 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 the Ten Commandments. And then if you go, go with me to Exodus chapter, chapter 32. Exodus 32. God calls, uh, God calls uh, Moses and he, and, and he, and he, and he, and he gives him the, the commandments and, and, you know, and, 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 and uh, Moses is in the mountain in the cloud. He's enjoying. God has written with his hand the commandments on the tablets. And Moses is returning back to the people, Joshua is with him, and Joshua says, I hear something. I hear a sound. He says, I think it's war. And then, 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 uh, then, then uh, Moses, says, Moses replies, and he says, it's not a sound of victory. It's not a sound of, victory, uh, of defeat. It's a sound of singing that I hear. And as he draws closer in verse 19, when Moses appear, approached the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing, and his anger burned. And he threw the tablets of his hand, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. Now, the tablets, the ten, what would then be the Ten Commandments, will, will become the basis of what will be regarded as the law that were of Moses and will be a very fundamental instrument in the, there was various, there's over 613 laws that, that, that the Israelites had to follow. But these 10 were, were some of the most, you know, these ones you could not even change. These ones you couldn't contravene. These were, and the amazing thing is that the 10 commandments up until today is still influences our rule of law in every society. Look at how powerful a transition from, from a law that guided a particular group of people, a particular nation, that's now influencing legal systems or what we define. That means that it's still true that you should not murder. Yes, our law, South African law or, 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 or Roman Greek law will begin to specify what is considered murder. But the reality is that it all finds its basis in the law of Moses, in the Ten Commandments. Now, I, I, I've spoken about this before, that, that Moses seeing that. Now, God was not angry at the people. Moses was angry. And what does Moses do? Moses breaks the tablet. Now sometimes, as men and women of God, as leaders in the household of God, be careful not to drop the word because of what you see the people do. He he broke the tablets in anger. Remember sometimes, and I know all of us, at sometimes you know your spirit gets grieved when you're spending time with God 
and you walk into a situation where you see people doing things that are contrary to the word of the Lord, there's a grieving in your spirit. And sometimes a holy anger comes over us. And this is what came over, over Moses. Uh, there was a holy anger that came over Moses. He broke the tablets. And, and yes, he, the people were wrong. And, and he goes and he confronts Aaron. But I want you to understand, by this time, Aaron was already chosen to be the high, high priest over Israel. And, they, and, and Moses has kind of left him in charge of their spiritual well-being. But the reality is that Aaron did not mature. Just because there's a call of God upon your life doesn't mean you're mature enough now to handle the call. You mature into the call. You've got to understand this. You see, no one told us this, Pastor Maggie. When we got to Bible college, we thought we were called to be pastors. And we thought that immediately we knew and we had everything that was needed for the journey. No. All we knew was we were at the starting point. That means even if you go into any career that you choose, whether it's medicine or law or teaching, whatever, when you go to school to study to be equipped for that, uh, for that job, you are equipped for it. They'll give you the title of teacher. But it doesn't mean you know everything. The teacher that has got one month experience and the teacher that's got 30 years experience will tell you totally different what it means to be a teacher because they have learned how to mature and how to develop and how to hone in. So some of you are called and there's a prophetic word over your life and whatever, but it doesn't mean you are at the place, at the finished product. You are in, that's why the Bible says we press on for the mark of the prize of the mark of the high calling. We, uh, it's not as if, Paul says, not as if I've apprehended, but I'm apprehending. That means I'm running after, I'm being made. Every day God is making me, Lord, make me an instrument. That means every day God's making me. Every day I'm growing deeper. Every day I'm getting stronger. Every day I'm starting to become more and more aware of where I need to die to self and where I need to arise to God. I'm learning how to mature all the time. Aaron did not mature. And because of his immaturity, the people turned to him as a priest over Israel. They needed something to worship, and Aaron, in his immaturity, gave them a golden calf. He said, "Them bring their, their, their gold." You know, the, you know the strangest thing. If if Aaron did it in the church today, they say he's a greedy man. But if you do it in any other religious setting, and you tell people bring gold, they'll bring it, and they won't question it. They'll bring gold to make a golden calf. True. That means it was easy for them to give something that this is. And look at how, how Aaron goes and says, Aaron says, I took this thing. I took all the gold. And he says, he only took gold earrings. Eh? Imagine a lot of earrings there in, the, in, in Israel. Because he made one big calf. Golden calf of only the earrings of all the women, all the daughters, all the sons. He put all the earrings only. He didn't ask for necklaces, brooches, didn't ask for bracelets, 
hand chains, didn't ask for any of that. Some people put toe rings, ankle bracelets, nothing. He didn't ask for the mukati, you know, the one on the nose. He didn't ask, he didn't ask for any of that. You, you learned a new word. I, yeah? I know these things. I, I act like I don't know. But, the, but he, he took this and he said he threw it into the fire and out of it came. But the scripture said he took it and he melted the gold and he shaped it into a golden cup. Sometimes there's this maturing that needs to take place. And, and look at it, he says, and he says, don't be angry at me, my Lord. You know these people are prone to evil. He blamed it on the people. You see, that's what happens when, when you come into leadership that cannot lead. They blame it on the people. And, and, and then he goes on. And then look at what Moses sees in 25. You know, I read this today. I, I didn't focus a lot on this before. But it says, and Moses saw the people were running wild. And that Aaron let them go out of control. So that some of them became laughingstocks to the enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp, and he says, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. You know what happens? You go and read the scripture. In that day, 3,000 people were killed out of rebellion against God. Remember? What did God say about the rod? Let it stand before the Ark of the Covenant. And this will begin to speak against rebellion. What happens when the law of the uh, a law is broken? God begins to take out three thousand people, and He says, "Now you need to go and make an atonement for them." Amen. And the Lord struck the people with the plague because of what they did with the calf that Aaron made. I want you to understand this. God will then take Moses again up into the mountain in, in, in chapter 34. But this time around, because Moses broke what God gave him, the next time God said to him, take a chisel and a hammer. Go, now you go and chisel out a tablet and bring it and come. Hey, you go and drop what God gave you for nothing. The next time he's going to make you work for it. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you, but he's going to say to you, I'm not going to give it to you for free. Isn't this a good lesson for parenting? The first time you give it to them. The second time you make them work for it. Amen. Because when you give for nothing, they'll drop it. They'll throw it. They'll stand on it. They'll abuse it. You see, when you give them phone, they can drop it because they didn't pay for it. But when they pay for it, It'll be in the pocket. It'll be covered. It, it, screen guard. You know, everything will be there. But they work for it. So God says to him, now bring hammer and chisel. Chisel out. He says, now I'll still write. But you got to chisel it out. I'm here to say to you, this is what God says. He's putting in the pot. He's, he wants us to understand the word and the value of the word that is in his presence. 
May God begin to accentuate this to us. I don't have much time to go into the pot, but the pot, the pot of manna spoke about the provisions of God. You know, the amazing thing is that God gave them manna and he gave them quail. You know, but, uh, quail was not birds known to the region of where the, the children of Israel were. God caused a bird to migrate from a different region, come into their region, fall dead for them to eat it, and to eat something they do not know, and to eat something that they'll ask, what is this? Have you ever eaten food and said, what is this? You know, the first time someone gave me, what's this, is this? they call it uh, bindi, yeah? Huh? I know something they used to call in Marisway, they call it pecan cow or something. Right? Huh? Is it the same thing? It's a different thing, right? So when they gave it to me, I asked, what's this? That's not how the children of Israel saw this thing. This were flat pieces of bread, and they had to collect enough for the day. What does the manna speak about? Learning how to trust God for daily provisions. That sometimes so many of us are interested in long-term provisions, but we, un we don't understand the prayer that Jesus made them pray. He says, give us this day our daily bread. We live in a society that is not worried about daily bread. We want, we want bread for this thing. We want to eat other people's bread. We want to steal the bread. You know, now there's a lot of bread. Eh? Before, there was only brown bread and white bread. Now there's low GI, low JI whole wheat, low GI white, low GI brown, low GI seeded. Right? Then they got brown bread. Then they got, I buy this Tanta Ana bread. It's a, all different kinds of bread. And you eat it, they all taste different. And all are good for different things. But the best bread to have jam and peanut butter on, white bread. <laughs> yeah. When you have a white bread, you feel it. It just goes down. You feel it going down from the mouth or goes down the throat. It just lines, lines, lines. lines. When it sits here, just like happy, you know, it, it makes you happy, you know. So, you know, there's something, you know, have you ate a tin fish sandwich? with low GI brown seeded bread. It's not the same. But it's good for you, the bread. But the tin fish don't talk to the bread. You know? Right? You can't take it to the beach. Even the birds won't eat it. Even the pigeons in Devon Beach don't like low GI brown bread seeded. Right? But it's important. But what, what does it speak about? When God provi provides, there's a provision that God has for us. And God wants you to remind you that there were all that you have need of, his hand will provide. God is making us come to the place. Not that he's making us dependent because he wants us to be slaves. But he wants us to get to that place where we don't take for granted our relationship with him. Let's just bow our heads together. Lord, we love you. We worship you.
We give you praise, glory, and honor. You are truly a great and an awesome God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the ways you remind us that in your presence there is leadership. In your presence there is counsel. In your presence there's godly wisdom. In your presence there's a word. In your presence there is divine provisions. So I pray for everyone that is going through different areas in their lives where they may be seeking direction or they may be just not grounded in your word or they may, may be in a place where they're saying, God, I'm going through just a difficult time. I need you to be Jaira to me. Lord, show up. Show up in your power. Show up in your strength. Show up in your glory. Manifest your glory, Father in the lives of your people. But we understand that it takes the divine that covers our humanity, covers our weaknesses, so that this, that this corruptible body can be put on incorruption, that this mortal body can receive immortality through Christ Jesus. Bless your people today. In Jesus' name, man and amen. Amen, amen, amen.